Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, To Be Known, and is based on Psalm 139. It was delivered on Sunday, September 4th, 2022, by Pastor Steve Pierce. One of the most touching films I've ever seen is... Mr. Holland's Opus. Now, some of you know this, this film. It tracks 30 years of a man's life as he raises his family and teaches high school music. But it goes beyond instructing his students. What we learn is he pours his life into them. And any of you who are teachers or retired teachers, you know the importance of being open to students and giving them your very best. But as the story unfolds, we discover that he took the teaching job because he couldn't make a living writing and composing his own music. So this dream of composing a symphony was put on the back burner. But it was always there, vibrating beneath his feet, waiting, hoping. And then the day came when the music program at the school was cut for financial reasons. As he struggles with being put aside by the school board after uh, so many years, Mr. Holland is left questioning what the point of his life even was. Did it matter? He put his dream on hold to take up the daily goal of trying to make a difference in the lives of teenagers through music. Now that too is gone. But it's the scene that has always spoken to me when Mr. Holland goes to his old classroom for one last time and the weight of the world is, is on his shoulders when Bill, the football coach, drops by to see about his hurting friend. And during the meeting, Mr. Holland jokes that Bill has job security because the day the football program is axed is the day that Western civilization is over as we know it. But then he pauses and he looks at Bill and he confides in him that he is scared to death. How many of us have felt like that at some point in our lives? How many of us have had doubts, have had worries. Where's the next paycheck going to come from? How are we going to make this work? Where is life taking me? Think of those moments when you're sitting at home alone and everyone else goes to bed and you are stuck with nothing but your thoughts. Or you're driving down the freeway and you're wondering where your life is headed. And you start thinking about what you've done, what you haven't done. Or do you ever pause to add up what your life amounts to or how it comes up short or do you feel like your life is on the hamster wheel it's just the same old same old the same old same old the same old results the same old conversations you're working hard but it doesn't feel like you're getting anywhere or maybe you feel underappreciated overlooked unnecessary i suppose there are many versions of what mr holland was going through. 
But many who take time to reflect on their lives struggle with these incomplete feelings and and dead-end thoughts. Some wrestle with them every day. And if you take stock of your life and you say, what difference does my life make? Does anybody really know or care about me? Then I think you should pay attention to this morning's sermon. I think Psalm 139 has a message for you. God wants to show us a different picture of our lives, to give us a view from the top, a view that will help us see the meaning of our lives from a heavenly perspective, from God's perspective. In this psalm, the author tells us that the secret to understanding ourselves is to know the God who already knows us. What did we hear? Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. In other words, God knows us better than we know ourselves. God made us. God knows our story. God pursues us. God has plans for us. God redeems us. Now notice the psalmist addresses God directly, not anyone else. And I remember reading something by Marcus Borg where he basically says, you, don't, you want to avoid... Um, You want to caution against personification of God literally, but he added that by addressing God as if God were a person, it helps us understand that God's not an it, like inanimate stuff. No, God is a presence. God is a you, Y-O-U. The psalmist acknowledges that God knows him and that God's knowledge of his life is expansive. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. Think about that. Think about this. Is the wonder of this truth lost on humankind? John Calvin, the reformer, didn't think so, and he worked tirelessly to make sure that people knew about this God who was crazy about them. He was convinced of the truths in Psalm 139. In fact, he once wrote that nearly all of the wisdom we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, knowledge of God and knowledge of self. And in his Institutes of the Christian Religion, He says that humans never achieve a clear knowledge of themselves unless they have first looked upon God's face and then descends from contemplating God to scrutinizing themselves. But Calvin points out, what we learn about ourselves is not entirely comfortable because when we consider ourselves in the light of God, we see both what we were like when we were first created and what our condition became after the fall of Adam. And one of the immediate effects of the fall was that humankind was separated from God. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had perfect communion and fellowship with God. And when they rebelled, choosing to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that fellowship was broken, and they became aware of their problem. 
call it sin, that separation. And they were ashamed. And they hid from God. And what we know about the salvation narrative is that people have been hiding from God ever since. And according to the Greek New Testament, only through Christ can that fellowship be restored. Because in Him we're made as righteous and sinless in God's eyes as Adam and Eve were before they had fallen from grace. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, we read these words. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is good news. In other words, what was lost at the fall is reclaimed by the cross of Christ. We are not free from guilt or made righteous before God because of anything we do. No, it is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ that we are declared righteous before our holy God. This is amazing news. The best news ever. But sadly, too many of us who are just not comfortable with this message or not comfortable with what they see in the world or in others or in themselves are stuck and are closed off from this fellowship, are, are still separated, are still running, are still hiding. Just before the film Mr. Holland's Opus was released, the music world was literally rocked. Kurt Cobain, the lead singer of the group Nirvana, was, from a success viewpoint, on top of the world. He had everything. Fame, fortune, the best of everything this world has to offer. His band was one of the most successful in the early 90s. And we still listen to the music today. But in the midst of all of this success, he was absolutely hopeless. He wrote a note to his wife and his 19-month-old child. And this is what he said. I have a daughter who reminds me too much of what I used to be, full of love and joy, kissing every person she meets because everyone is good and will do her no harm. And that terrifies me to the point to where I can barely function. I can't stand the thought of Francis becoming the miserable, self-destructive, death rocker that I've become. Peace, love, empathy, Kurt Cobain. Just days after he wrote the note, he ended his life. He died from depression. He was 27 years old. Tragic. His daughter, Frances Bean Cobain is still alive. She is 30 now, though she has journaled that she never thought she'd reach her 30th birthday because she too struggles with depression. But that story makes us wonder. It makes me wonder if things might have been different for the musician Kurt Cobain had he heard the good news, had someone shared the truth with him about Psalm 139, that God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Yes, the world 
has gone awry. Yes, people let us down. Yes, people sin. People do destructive things. But there's still hope. God made us. God knows our story. God pursues us. God has plans for us. God redeems us. Karen Horney, the late German psychoanalyst, once asked a key question. It's the reflection in your order of worship. Why is it so unutterably beneficial, the thought that someone besides myself knows me? It's a haunting question. We're created with a deep human need to be known, to be sought after, to be heard, to be forgiven. To be loved. Who knows you best? Come on. Who in your circles knows you best? Who best understands you? Who is he or she? To really know someone, we have to be willing to spend time with them to listen, to ask good questions, which is a wonderful form of love, to listen carefully to responses, and to be patient. This is how God is with each and every one of us. And this is how we reflect the character of God to others. And this is exactly what happened to me and my wife Monica while we were in Europe this this past week. She's still there in Karlsruhe, Germany, for the 11th Assembly of the World Council of Churches. But before that meeting, we explored parts of France and Germany. And while we were in Strasbourg, um, checking out some key Reformation sites, such as the homes of Martin Bucer and John Calvin, and places of worship for those first Reformers, a man approached us. While we were outside of the Reformed Church of Bouclier, and he said to us, You look like two people who would like to come inside the church and explore. Would you like to come in? And we said, Yes. At that time, the church was locked. She said, Well, come on in. I'll gladly show you around. It turns out he's the vicar of the church. And he showed us around, and we talked, we got to know each other. He learned I'm a pastor. He looked me up (laughs) online. And uh, it's always terrifying when people can just find you within five seconds. And he said, why don't we have lunch in a couple of hours? Would you be willing to meet me at this cafe so we could get to know each other a little bit better? And we did. We met uh, Zegosh, and he took us around, showed us sites that are not in the tour guide books, talked to us about faith in Strasbourg, ministry, life. How comforting it was for me and my wife Monica to have made a friend in an area where everyone to us is a stranger and we are strangers to them. Back to the psalm. And back to what the psalmist is trying to say here. 
The knowledge that God has about all people is not just expansive. It's personal, too. This psalm celebrates God's intimate concern for creation and our well-being. Even before our lives begin, God is graciously concerned with our flourishing. That our lives, indeed our very bodies, from the time spent in the womb to the time we take our last breath, is meaningful and good because God, from the very beginning, has guided the development of our lives. This is good news. Our longing to be known can only be fully met by the God who searches our hearts. The same God for whom, according to the Apostle Paul, um, we live and move and have our being. The same God who, according to the New Testament, became the Word made flesh and then would later say to his disciples, I am the light of the world. Those who follow me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How many of us hear that invitation? How many of us can hear the sweet whispers of the Holy Spirit saying to us, I'm so glad that you're my child. I'm so glad you're mine. Take my hand, let's walk together. You are more than the worst thing you have ever done. You are precious to me. You are worth more to me than you will ever possibly know. Now, you're going to think I'm weird, but I brought a $50 bill with me into the pulpit today. I've always been drawn to a $50 bill. I don't know what it is. I think it's because of my connection to U.S. Grant, the flawed leader and president, but also just how beautiful this bill is. And if you remember, on the back is the U.S. Capitol, a magnificent structure. I love holding a crisp, clean bill, whether it's a dollar or a fifty. But what if this is balled up and thrown onto the ground? What if it's kicked around in the dirt? What if it's spat on? Could you take this 50 and still use it at a store? Would it be worth anything? Absolutely. The bill has value because of what it is, not how it looks, where it's been, or what it's been used for. Sometimes we feel like we've been stepped on. Sometimes we feel like we've been kicked around. We feel dirty. We feel unworthy. We feel useless. But in those moments, we must remember that we matter to God more than anything. We all matter. Maybe your parents have said words that ring in your ears to this day, or maybe they didn't say the words you were longing to hear. Maybe your spouse has rejected you verbally, emotionally, or physically. Or maybe you feel a little bit like Mr. Holland. You're not sure what to do next. However we feel, 
We can't allow what someone else does define us. We can't draw conclusions about ourselves based on them. We have to look higher to the one in heaven who completely knows us and understands us, who pursues us, who who knows us, redeems us, and desires an intimate relationship with us. God is closer to us than we are to ourselves, according to the psalmist. We are loved. We are not alone. We are of infinite worth to God who created us who formed our inner parts, who knit us together in our mother's womb. Or as the catechism says, not a hair can fall from our head without the will of my Father in heaven. Yes, we are known. Yes, we are loved. Yes, we are God's forever. Let's pray. Our gracious God in heaven, Thank you for the gift of your word. Your word, which is true and can be trusted. And thank you for being closer to us than we are to ourselves, for knowing us and loving us, for granting us the assurance that we are not alone. For those here today who may feel dirty, useless, unworthy of your love, Holy Spirit, go to them and assure them of who they really are in your eyes. And for others of us here who know this truth, may we carry it with us this day into the world to bless someone else who may need to hear it. God, thank you for everything you do for us. May we always be grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.